You're listening to episode 12 of the Money Owners Podcast with me, Morgan Rochard. Money Owners is a podcast for people who want to be mentally and financially crushing it. This podcast does not provide investment advice, and nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued to be investment advice. If you'd like more information on Money Owners Coaching, the podcast, the homework, and everything I have to offer, visit moneyowners.com. What is happening, my fellow money owners? I'm super excited to be here today. Today, I want to talk to you about taxes. Yes, that's right. I'm doing a topical subject of taxes because everybody knows that their taxes are due April 15th. Actually, if you were um, in an S-Corp, if you were like a small business owner with an S-Corp, your taxes were already due. I hope you did them or you filed an extension. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not getting on your case. I'm not the IRS. I'm just a financial planner and I'm just here to help you a little bit with taxes. So one of the most interesting things I find about taxes is how much people hate to pay them. <laughs> so um, I work with my clients a lot of time to mitigate taxes and um, everyone seems to have it in their head that like if they work with a financial planner that we will somehow avoid many taxes. And that's simply not the case. I mean, it's kind of one of those things where if you're very, very rich and you don't need most of your money, then you could do things to avoid taxes. And if you're very, very poor, you get lots of credits and deductions and things that you can do to also not pay very much taxes. But if you're in the middle, you're pretty much stuck with very little that you can do to avoid taxes. That said, it's not all bad news if you're in the middle. That means that you're probably making a decent income. And maybe if you're a W-2 employee that you have access to a 401k or 403b type plan that you can use to lower your income tax level um, and put away money in a tax-deferred manner. Or if you're running a business, like many of the people who listen to Money Owners Podcast, you run something like an LLC, a sole proprietorship, or an S-Corp where you can run your business expenses through... Um, through your business essentially and deduct them against your income and if they are true business expenses then you should be able to deduct 100% of them. If they are something like meals or entertainment, I think actually under the new tax law entertainment is no longer something you can deduct but meals you're able to deduct 50%. So as long as you're kind of following the rules and stuff and you don't do bad things, you should be able to deduct your business expenses against your income and all is well that ends well. So one of the things I always get from business owners is well, what should I be deducting? And how can I deduct as much as possible? Because everybody wants to deduct everything. And one of the thoughts that I want to challenge in this specific podcast is the idea that tax deductibility equals free. So I know that that's just not true. <laughs> so why don't we think of tax deductibility as like a 25% off sale rather than it just being this thing where, oh, if it's tax deductible, then it must be a good thing. Um, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about in the last episode about real estate. Like a lot, one of the reasons why people like to buy um, to buy real estate is because the interest is tax deductible, and to them that means that they're basically getting to live for free, right? But like that's that's a thought that we're having. That's not a truth. So yes, tax deductibility does help and it does make it cheaper, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it is cheaper overall, specifically for real estate, because. For instance, the person that's renting you that property is actually deducting the interest as well, and that gets passed along to you because markets are efficient. So I think we have in our head that like, if we're able to deduct 
things that they then become free and then that makes us you know feel financially savvy and that we're getting a good deal whereas like sometimes that's really not in fact the truth so certain things for instance like I um I know because I have a lot of clients that have uh, young kids that there's like there's the um it's the dependent care credit as it's called and you're basically allowed to deduct up to five thousand dollars um to put towards child care for your children and I forget what the age limit is on it um so don't quote me on that you should probably go to the IRS's website if this is specific to you but basically you get to deduct up to five thousand dollars so that offsets some of the cost, right? But for most people, like maybe it's a 20% off sale or 25% off sale. So we're talking about, you know, it's $1,200. It's not nothing, but it's not free. It doesn't mean like all of a sudden you get $5,000 worth of childcare paid for by the government, essentially. Um, yeah, that's not what you're getting. So I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that we think if, if we can do it, if it's tax deductible, that there's some sort of like magical benefit to it. And I think really what ends up happening is like, probably in the daycare world, people know that they can charge more because there's some sort of tax deductibility there. Otherwise, like maybe the market would set that price lower. So um, it's really hard to know without, you know, actually like having it play out where all of a sudden the government takes that credit away. But like my thought there, because I've seen it happen in the real estate market is like as things get passed through, as like you're able to deduct more or deduct different things, prices change around those things. And therefore, like, whatever benefit you think you're receiving, it's really kind of in your head. I know that's kind of really like, that's kind of really bad news maybe that I'm giving you about your taxes. It's like, you just have to pay them. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I think like people are going to stop listening to money owners now because of this episode. But yeah, I've been thinking about it a lot because like I have, um, particularly around this time of year, it's always a bad time of year when I'm talking to clients because um, especially like for people who a lot of my clients that are either small business owners and maybe they weren't keeping up with taxes the entire year. So like we're paying into, let's say, what's called the safe harbor rule where we paid in um, as much in taxes that we made in or that we paid in last year. And then that kind of exempts clients from um, penalties or anything else that the IRS would impose on you for not paying in enough. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they paid in everything that they did. So um, one of the things that the IRS doesn't take into account is, let's say, like a very small business who's young that's growing quite a bit. So let's say, like, we're talking about my business that started back in 2014. Like in 2014, I didn't make very much money. Um, I don't I think I actually took a loss that year and I didn't have to pay any taxes. So if I wanted to safe harbor my business in 2015, I basically didn't have to pay any taxes and I was fine. Um, but then if I didn't pay any taxes and I had explosive growth, let's say in 2015, and I started making a lot of money just because I made the safe harbor rule and I'm not going to be penalized doesn't necessarily mean I won't end up with a tax bill. So a lot of the things that happen to happens to a lot of my clients is like they have these fantastic, awesome growing businesses that are making more money than they did in the previous year. And they pay in enough to, um, to like offset that safe harbor rule by the end of the year. But then like we're still having conversations in March about how, you know, they owe 50 plus thousand dollars or whatever it is. So I think these are things to keep in mind when you're a business owner of like trying to plan throughout the year. And yeah, like you might still end up in a situation where you have to pay more at the end of the year. But like, um, like I think that th this is a good place to start to like to go back to managing cash flows about how like you really need to know what your income is. 
you need to know what your expenses are and then you need to kind of be keeping track of that throughout the year so that you're paying in on regular intervals and that you're paying in a little bit more than let's say the safe harbor so you don't end up in that situation at the end of the year unless you're really good at actually managing your cash flow on the other side um, which is kind of another thing like if you do if you are flush with cash by the end of the year like maybe it was a good decision that you did that that you only paid into the safe harbor rule because then you got to keep that cash from the IRS so I think another one of the biggest misconceptions is is that you want to get a refund on your taxes I hear this all the time of like oh well, like what I you know I'm waiting for my refund and it's like well if you're waiting for your refund that means that you overpaid taxes all year and you basically gave the IRS an interest-free loan and nobody likes to give anybody an interest-free loan, let alone the government. So I think like one of the things to consider is like, maybe you actually wanna be paying like $500 <laughs> when you file your taxes rather than like expecting this gigantic refund. And I think the other thing to consider is like, if you're waiting for that refund to go pay for things, um, then you've definitely planned wrong throughout the entire year because um, yeah, that's definitely not how you wanna be doing it. I'm sorry. You're probably overspending if you're in that situation and you should be reevaluating like what your um what your expenses look like versus your income. Um another situation I see clients get into quite frequently is when they have bonus money come in or they have stock options. So um I tend to work with high income earners in New York. So if you are one of these type of a people where you you have your salary and then you have this massive bonus or you're like you have um, restricted stock or stock options that came due this year that vested and you decided to sell. Sometimes the, the, the way that they calculate your taxes isn't correct. And I've seen this happen multiple times where I've, I've calculated on my side and I've even said to a client, hey, like, I think that they under calculated your federal income taxes by like over 15 grand. And sure enough, they did. Um, and it's something that then you're dealing with in March. So I think these are all things to keep in mind, like that you need to be estimating throughout the year. There are great tools online to be doing this. I like to use Smart Asset a lot as like a quick back of the envelope calculation on what I think my clients are going to owe for stuff. I mean, I have also like internal, really robust software by Bloomberg. But like if you're listening to this podcast, I don't think that you should go and buy this like, you know, thousand dollar software from Bloomberg to do your own. I think like maybe you can just look at Smart Asset online, which is for free, and I'll put that in the show notes so you can take a look at it. But basically, the idea there is like, okay, you make a hundred grand a year, but you get a two hundred thousand dollar bonus, let's say, um, and you just want to make sure that they calculated your taxes correctly. So what you would do is like in Smart Asset, you would put in that you were you made three hundred grand. You'd put in how many deductions you think you'll be able to take, and you put in how much you put into let's say your four hundred one k or your four hundred three b, and it'll show you how much you should have paid into taxes. It'll actually give you a breakdown of federal, state, local if you have it. And then also like it'll show you your FICA taxes. And I like this tool a lot because it really helps clients plan. So you want to use your total income always when you're doing this. But let's say you're in that situation where you had the $100,000, you got this $200,000 bonus and you went on there and you calculated your taxes and it shows you that you're actually gonna owe more than what they took out. Now, then you have an idea of like, oh, hey, I should put this money aside. This isn't money I can actually use. This is money that I have to put towards my taxes. So I think this kind of leads us into the next part of what I wanted to talk about today because I don't want to give you like this whole tax lesson. And frankly, like they change the laws a lot. I mean, they just changed the law and I know that they don't change the laws all the time, but like the numbers are changing and I don't know about you, but like, I love my accountant who I work with and I talk to him quite a bit about this stuff, but like, I'm obsessed with this stuff. So like, I don't expect you to actually want to listen to me drone on and on and on about like the IRS's pubs or anything like that. So I'm not going to bore you with that. But what I am going to bore you with 
or not, if you're really into this like I am, is what your thoughts are around paying taxes. So I think the most common thing I hear always is that I don't want to pay them. I hear this so much. I don't want to pay them. What can I do to not pay them? What can I do to make them less? What can I do to like, you know, basically scheme? Like, can I have an LLC? Can I do this? Can I do that? Like, what kinds of things can I do to avoid taxes? And sometimes the answer is you can't. (laughs) Um, Yeah, sorry. Sometimes that's just the answer. You can't avoid them. Um, But I think like my answer of me saying to you, you can't avoid them, or maybe we can lessen them a little bit, but it's not going to be as much as you want them to be. It really kind of digs deeper into like how you want to think about it. So one of the things that I like to think about when I pay my taxes is I really like living in this country. Yeah, I know that sounds like maybe that sounds a little crazy for me to say a little nationalist of me, but I really like living here. There are a lot of things I really like about being in America. For one, um, this is going to sound really crazy, but like I get access to super cool retirement accounts and really great investment opportunities as a result of that. Like I can buy, which is what I do for my clients, dimensional funds. And I think that's really great. This is not, by the way, investment advice. (laughs) I'm just telling you one of the reasons why I like being an American who gets to invest. Like it's really great here. There are really good laws here about it. Um, there are really good laws in general, right? Like there's a lot of freedoms that were offered, here in America, there's a lot of things that are really great about living here. Um, and I feel like it's safe here. And this is a great place for me to like live with my family. And I've grown up here and there are all sorts of reasons why I want to stay in America. And being in America requires that I pay taxes. So right there, even me saying that being in America requires that I pay taxes, you can already see that that kind of has like a little bit of a negative connotation. And I think like, When you really think about it at the end of the day, when you really sit down and think to yourself about taxes, what what is it worth to me? You're actually choosing to pay them. And I think that that might sound a little bit crazy for me to even say, but we choose to pay our taxes, right? We're not forced in a way. Like, I mean, I guess in some ways that we are, right? In some ways we're forced because like we could be sitting in jail instead of paying taxes or like the IRS could impose some liens on us or maybe we'd have to even leave the country if we spent too long not paying our taxes and we didn't want to go to jail. So, but all of these things really are a choice, right? Like freedom is a choice. Freedom is a choice that we make and paying our taxes is a choice that we make. And when we think about things from the place of making a choice of doing them rather than I have to do them, it has a much lighter connotation. It has like a feeling of lightness and airiness and something that I actually am not maybe excited is the wrong word, but like something that I'm just, I feel good about doing. I feel about good about doing my part. Um, and where I feel okay about doing it in general. Um, I'm actually dealing with this with one of my clients right now because, um, there's something called a 1031 exchange and I don't want to go into it too much in detail, but basically if you own commercial property, you can sell it and buy another, what they call like kind property, um, another commercial property that, um, and essentially you can do this exchange tax-free. And there are a couple of different tax-free exchanges. They also apply to some life insurance and annuity products. I don't really want to get into it on this podcast, but for the purposes of this podcast, like there is a way out there for you to go from a real estate building to another real estate building without paying taxes or paying minimal taxes in, in doing it. And one of my clients, we were looking into doing this because they're selling a building in New York and the taxes on the building were going to be quite high and it seemed worth it to do it. But one of the reasons why it's worth it is because it comes with a liquidity premium. So what I mean by that is like, 
you're basically, you're moving from a very illiquid asset where it's really hard for you to get your money out to another very illiquid asset where it's really hard for you to get your money out, right? It requires you to go and put the building on the market and then wait for somebody to come and make you offers to you and then for you to be excited about those offers and then for you to accept those offers and on and on and on, right? Until you actually close on the building. And sometimes with commercial property, it's not like residential where sometimes those things can move pretty fast and you can have closing within 40, you know, 30 to 45 days or something like that. Like commercial, it usually takes much longer. So like these are long transactions that take a long period of time. And therefore we call these things illiquid assets. So one of the things about this specific situation is that they were going from something that was illiquid and there were some other things related to the property that I don't want to get into today, but they were going from something illiquid and they're going through a period of time in their life where they actually will need to be in more liquid assets. So when it really came down to it, they wanted to sell this building and it's right for them to sell the building. And it was, it's also right for them to pay the taxes. So like, I feel like sometimes when we come around to tax season, yeah, it's like, it's a little different if you're not in some sort of like interesting scenario like this where you're selling commercial property and ooh la la, I'm getting this money and then I'm going to pay taxes on it. Like, I think sometimes like there's, they're like these alluring scenarios that make us feel more comfortable and confident about paying our taxes for sure. But like, that's a thought still. It's a thought that we're having. I mean, basically my clients that I'm working with, they went from like avidly not wanting to pay taxes and wanted to look into these things and you know we're really excited about the opportunity of not having to pay taxes but when we really went over what the investment opportunity would look like and what it would look like for them to move from basically one building into like what's called a Delaware statutory trust where we would invest in a slew of different buildings um it just didn't make sense for them and then like we had to frame it in a way that would make them be really much more excited about the next opportunity that they would have even though it included quite a bit in taxes so i think for like the average person who is filing their taxes around this time like what can you do right now with your brain what can you do to make yourself feel more excited and more and just better about how you're going to approach your tax season like how how can you approach tax season feeling good? And I have another client where they're, you know, they're sort of in a similar situation where like they sold a bunch of stock options um, and they're really excited about that. They're going to use those stock options to go make a down payment on a home, which is really exciting. And they're like ready to start the next chapter of their lives. And um, the company didn't take it out enough in federal taxes. And it's really unfortunate. Like they have, you know, a $15,000 tax bill this year. Um, that said though, like, I think when we really think about it at the end of the day, like they got this money that vested, that they were able to sell in 2018 and they're going to be able to go and start the next phase of their life. And they're really excited to do that. And therefore it's okay to pay the taxes. It's okay. Sometimes I think we just have to be okay and live a little bit with the discomfort that we have around certain things so that we can move on with our lives and we can really just feel good about the choices that we're making and feel more in control of our lives and feel less anger towards things that are completely out of our control. So that's pretty much all I have for you today. I think that this is probably, um, compared to what you normally get, I think around tax season of like 10 tax tips to lower your tax bill and, you know, five ways that you can like really, you know, make tax season be your best tax season. I'm used to seeing all of these things all the time. I get like so much, I think it's like basically spam email into my inbox, um, to the point where I actually like, I pay for this service called SaneBox, which I, I mean, I'm, I'm not like getting paid or anything to advertise this. So please don't like think this is an advertisement. I, but I get so much crap in my inbox from my email address being public, I think, and being a registered investment advisor that like, 
I actually had to pay a service to like <laughs> to sort these things for me. But I'm always interested in seeing like the the like the hot things, the hot topic topical things that are going around during different seasons of the year, just because like definitely means that these are the things that are on my clients' minds and maybe I should be thinking about a ways to discuss it with my clients too. Um, and taxes, like I always get all sorts of really like, which I think are kind of funny things about how to lower your tax bills. Um, and I think the best part about these things that I get in the mail is like a lot of the stuff that you can do to lower your taxes is stuff that you actually have to do throughout the year and isn't stuff that you can do in February and March, the year's already over. So we think one of the other things to be thinking about, so maybe you just pay your taxes this year, but if you're a business owner or if you are, you know, even a W-2 employee who makes a lot of income through bonuses, things like that, like how you can plan better in 2019 so that come, you know, March 2020, you don't feel the way that you do right now. I think like sometimes we have to use some of the motivation from now, like some of that negative aura and energy that we get from like doing things like our taxes. Sometimes we have to use some of that now to like propel us to be the people that we want to be for the next year. So I actually been working on this with one of my clients of like getting organized. And one of the things that we did was we actually created a schedule for them. And they put basically on their calendars a bunch of different invites for them, like their husband and wife team, and they run a business. We put a bunch of calendar invites on their calendar for them to like get together and do their income and expenses so we can have a really good idea um, around tax planning for the year. Um, and I think that like, I think it's really good to be thinking about that stuff now for 2020 rather than like, you know, hemming and hawing and feeling bad about like whatever you have to do in 2019. Um, I think like you got to accept it. It's over. You did 2018 already. You did your best. And now it's time to move on. You got to pay your tax bill. You got to feel good about paying your tax bill and feel good that you chose to pay your tax bill because you want to live here. All right, so that's all I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Money Owners. Uh, Q&A is coming up in three episodes. So if you have a question that you'd like answered on this podcast, send me a DM or something on Twitter at Morgan with an E, M-O-R-G-E-N, Rochard, R-O-C-H-A-R-D, or at money underscore owners. Um, you can also find more information about everything going on at Money Owners at moneyowners.com. And if you really like this podcast and you like everything I have to say, please give us a review on iTunes. I'd really appreciate it. It would help me out a lot. And I will see you guys in two weeks. Thanks.